Welcome to the Sales Lead Dog Podcast, hosted by CRM technology and sales process expert, Christopher Smith, talking with sales leaders that have separated themselves from the rest of the pack. Listen to find out how the best of the best achieve success with their team and CRM technology. And remember, unless you are the lead dog, the view never changes. Welcome to Sales Lead Dog. Joining me today on Sales Lead Dog is Amy Walther. Amy, welcome to Sales Lead Dog. Thank you for having me, Chris. Great having you here, Amy. Amy, tell us a bit about your current role and your company. Yes, well, I work for a company called Westhall Technologies, and I am a VP of sales in one of our three divisions. So we have three sales divisions. Uh, one side is in building wireless. There is another side of our house that does cabinet enclosures and power and fuse panels. And then my side of the house, which does intelligent site management. So um, we are a technology company. We're, we're fairly small. We're out of Aurora, Illinois. Um, and there's not many of us that do what I do for a living. So there's not many of us out there. And it's, it's a really fun job. I can literally talk about monitoring all day long. I, if you let me, I would do it all day long. <laughs> Well, we're here to talk about your sales career and sales leadership, but maybe we'll get into that side of it um, here. So, Amy, thinking back over your career, what are the three things that have really driven and led to your success? Yeah, so um, I'd say that as a young person, I, I think I always wanted to be successful. So I think that drive is extremely important. Um, I don't think anybody is successful without some sort of drive. I'm not sure where it comes from with people. I know where it came from with me. Um, but I wanted to make sure that I had an actual career and I was never dependent on anybody. Mm -hmm. So I just tried really hard to always do good at whatever it was from the bottom to the top. And um, I think that that drive is really important. Uh, I'd say the second piece of it is uh, definitely a positive attitude. Um, you know, nobody can be successful when you're not positive. I will definitely say that for sure. And I'd say that the third piece, since you said three, um, I find that if I have a lot of fun and I enjoy the people that I work with, I am a ha I'm happy all the time. And I think that people that are happier are more successful in their career. So I, I think that that helps me uh, do a good job, even in, you know, in sales. Uh, if you're happy and you have fun, you have fun with your, your colleagues, you have fun with your customers, I think you'll, you'll always be successful. That's terrific. Now, you mentioned you knew where your drive comes from. Where does your drive come from? Well, I, you know, I, I came from a, a, a not so well-to-do area, and my mother was very ill as a child. So I think... Um, I had to take care of her when I was little. And I just, I think I always knew that I didn't want to struggle and I would, wouldn't mind to have some money. That would, that would be great. So right. sometimes, and, I, and I'll tell you, even when I'm talking to other people I want to hire or other salespeople, if you don't notice that they, if they don't like money, I don't even think they should be in sales. <laughs> they should definitely want to make some money or you wouldn't, you wouldn't really be a salesperson. How those thinking back on those early years, have you ever really thought back and said, or, you know, pondered how that has shaped you and your approach to sales? Yeah, I, I think about that all the time. I think about it. I feel 
grateful that I was that little girl who never spoke up <laughs> and I was really quiet. And I think that uh, some things happened to me throughout my life that made me go, wait a second, I can do all of these things. I think I could do it better than you and you and you. <laughs> and I think I just always wanted for some reason, there was just a competitive nature about me, maybe not necessarily like in sports or something like that, but just wanting to be better. And I think that is, it, I don't, it's always been there. It's, it's always been there. And uh, I, I'm not really sure. I feel, I feel bad for my husband that it's like that, but he's also in sales. So there's always competitive nature in our house with the sales thing. Like we talk about it every day. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. Um, now you didn't start your career in sales. How did you make that transition? Tell me that story of how you made that switch into sales. Yeah, so I um, I used to be in banking uh, and then I moved over into the telecommunications world. And um, I had some opportunities that were not given to me. I had to fight for them. And as I, were, I, I was handed these opportunities, I realized that uh, I, had a, I had a boss once that said, um, in order to in order to get the job, you need to do the job. And I still say that to this to this day. I say it to my kids. And what that really means is if you want that job bad enough, you go get it. You go get that job, you find a way to get that job, and you show them that they want you for that job. And so I think that is um, that that is where that started. Um, but then I helped create some pretty big things that happened. I wasn't really getting promoted and I realized that it was time to go somewhere, but I didn't know where. As I mentioned to you before, my husband has always been in sales since I met him. And he, I feel like he kind of pushed me into it. He's like, you should be in sales. This is ridiculous. Why are you not in sales? It was constant. It was a constant conversation. And I finally was like, fine, I'll go do it as long as we're all supportive in this thing, right? So I did, and, and I took my first sales job and I did a really, it, he was right, it was the right place. I mean, I don't wanna tell him that I was right. <laughs> <laughs> he was right, don't tell anybody, he was right. <laughs> I'll keep your secret. Please do. That's awesome. Was that a hard, it sounds like it was a pretty natural transition for you. Was it was it, hard. Was everything about it easy? Yeah, talk to no. me. It wasn't easy because I had small children at the time. I was, I was a very, I was an older mother and I, but I was, you know, in the middle of trying to do something with myself. And so when I did this, I had to travel a lot and my children were very small. Um, uh, they were to toddlers, maybe in, you know, young ages, really young. And it was really hard because when I would be at home, I always, I've always worked from home when I've done this. So I would have to wear a thing on my head, like bunny ears or like devil horns or something. And if the kids saw that I had this on my head, they were not to come talk to me. Like if there was a glass door, they were not to speak to me because I was trying, you know, I'm a woman in, in a career space. And it was always, you know, they always think that we have our kids and I just, I wanted to make sure yeah. that everyone knew that I was serious. So back then we didn't have cameras on. So it I was didn't matter. Say, that was before was, Zoom, obviously. It was, Zoom. it was always on a phone. They didn't, you know, I could sit there and make faces at the kids. Nobody would even know. But uh, but yes, it was very hard. And then I would have to leave my small children. And it was really 
difficult for me. Um, like if they lost a tooth and I wasn't there or something, right? You know, just the weird things that would happen. So it was very difficult. That that part was difficult. The second part that was hard was the scare and worry that you weren't going to be able to meet your numbers or you weren't going to hit. You know, there's a, when you when you jump in the sales and you get these things called quotas, you're like, what is a quota? And oh my God, this quota is so huge and it, this is frightening. And what if I don't meet my quota? And what if I don't make any money? And what if, what if, and all these scary things that happen when you're trying to figure this out. And uh, thankfully, like I said, I, I suppose I had my husband as a mentor to say, don't, don't freak out. Let's just, you know, you'll get it, that kind of thing. Yeah. So that was the scariest part. I think make, making sure that I could hit my numbers and make money was kind of important for the household. Right. What would you say to that younger version of Amy who was just getting started in sales coming from your position now in sales leadership, what would you tell young Amy? Uh, well, I would, I would definitely, well, <laughs> confidence is a big thing and confidence doesn't just naturally happen. Um, it is a very difficult thing to, you don't just become confident, right? You, something either happens to you in life in, to make you confident or something happens or it takes a lot of time to become confident. So if I could have gained that confidence years ahead, I think I would have been, I would have been more successful than I am now at this age, I guess I would say. Right. Um, but for a younger, I have two daughters and I am constantly working on that confidence thing. And I make sure that they understand that they're you know, worth it. And t teaching people to be confident is it, I don't know where it comes from. Does it come from your parents? Does it come from yourself? Does it come from your coaches or your teachers? Maybe all of the above. Um, but I would definitely say that working for some good bosses over the years has, has helped too. If you, if, you're, if you work for someone who gives you a chance, you're really lucky. But if you work for someone who's never going to give you a chance, you almost got to go to another job. <laughs> you right. know? So I'd say confidence and I, I don't know, just, uh, you know, push through. Don't give up. Don't give up. Now, for me personally, I realized at some point that I used to be super nervous about doing presentations again in front of a group. But I realized at some point, like, there were times when I did that and I had absolutely no issues whatsoever. And I, I thought about it and I realized, well, the reason why is I completely and thoroughly understood whatever it was I was presenting, the, the topic. I, I knew my stuff. And just out of that came confidence. Is that similar for you or did you have a similar experience developing your own confidence? Well, so another funny story. I, um, like I said, I was a very shy person. Um, but as I got older, I started cheerleading as an older person for, for, for a professional NFL team. Oh, wow. And, yeah. Well, there's a so story. That's a story, right? <laughs> now, before that, I, I cheered for a professional lacrosse team, but those are smaller, right? right? But I was older. I was old. I was in my late 20s, which is like an old lady. That's ancient thing. for that kind of It's kid, ancient, right? right? You're like right. 10 years older than them, and they're all these young people. Anyway. No. I will tell you that I did this. I don't know what provoked me to do these things. I had come out of a divorce or whatever, but I just was like, you know what? I'm going to do all the things that I, I want to do. And I tried out for that team and I made it. And I was, like I said, 10 to 12 years older than everybody else there. But 
what, what the one thing I want to say is that if you can do that in front of 80,000 people, <laughs> you literally could do anything. And I will tell you that that confidence, that, that was the real beginning of me going, whoa, I could do anything. I could do anything. And, and to this day, I have zero problems making eye contact with people. I don't care if people think that I look funny. I don't care if anything, and it doesn't matter. I have confidence. I, I can get up on a stage and do a presentation to, and I have in the past to hundreds of people. And you know, the first few seconds, like you said, the first few seconds when you have the hot lights in your face and everything, it's, it's, it's you're sweaty and that part stinks, but, uh, you get through that first few minutes and, and then you're just, it's, it's just being yourself again. And I think that confidence level has changed since I did the cheerleading. What team, I have to know what team you cheered for. I cheered for the Buffalo Bills, which we don't have cheerleaders anymore. So, oh, okay. and by the way, the Buffalo Bills are going to kick some butt this year. So there you go. There you be go. Prepared. They finally got their quarterback. <laughs> it's going to be very <laughs> <Okay>. great. <laughs> yep, that's awesome. So let's talk about your transition into sales leadership. Was it a similar transition as getting into sales? Was it a difficult transition or was it a, a, a much easier transition? Nothing, nothing's easy. No, nothing has been easy. I would say, you know, so, so if you jump into sales, you're kind of starting all over again. Um, the one thing that I have, have going for me, <laughs> I guess I'll say the one thing is that I know I, I'm in a niche business. So just know, like you said, knowing your content and being a, um, being a, uh, a person that, that specializes in something and is very good at it uh, is extremely helpful. So that part helped me, but that didn't mean that I naturally just moved up the chain. Um, I, I, I'm not sure how many females you've spoken to, but in my life, in, in the areas that I've been, it's been very difficult to move up as a female. Things are different now. My kids are going to have it made. But when I was moving up, it still wasn't, it's, it's never, it's still not easy, right? You know, it's not as, as simple as it used to be. So I would get bypassed by people. Right. It didn't matter if I was better at it. It did not matter. And so no, it was not easy. And I just kept pushing through. And I will say that there have been times in my career where in order for me to promote myself, I had to leave. So it's in, you know, in the olden days when our parents were working, the, the goal was you stay there for 30 years, be, you know, be committed. Right. You stay with those people. And then, well, there were pensions back then. It was a different situation. We don't have pensions anymore. But, um, but I will say that Nowadays, in order to promote yourself, sometimes you need to move. You sometimes you need to leave. And that is, I, I will tell you right now, that is when people go, oh no, she left. And they see that things maybe fell apart. And then and and then in West Hell, I, I actually left and I came back. And I'll, it was it was a great decision. It everything worked worked out, everything happens for a reason. Um, but I'm very happy. I have a very good boss and he does believe in me and he trusts me. And that, I, I think that's very helpful. Um, yeah. when you have a company that believes in you, that makes a big difference, but yeah. you need to earn, you need to earn that, right? It doesn't happen easily. Do you try to do the same thing with your team, you know, in terms of, of having that trust or demonstrating that trust? I, 
I do. I, I don't like, um, I, I know what I didn't like. So I don't do that to them. I don't think that any adult likes to be told what to do. <laughs> I think that adults should be able to figure out what they, if you, maybe some coercion in some, maybe not coercion, maybe that's not the right word. Maybe some like little nudges into making, having them figure out that they made the decision themselves. I feel that that is the best choice to get the best results out of anybody. Um, I, I don't think micromanaging is ever good for anybody. And I feel like it's very un, uncomfortable for everybody. So with my team, I just want them, you know, I, I think one of the things I always ask is, well, what would you do? What do you want to do? And then, and then I'll tell you what I would want to do because I don't want that, them to hear what I think first. I want them to tell me what they think. And then maybe that's the right choice. Or maybe I said, well, you know what? I think you should try that. I think that's a good, I think it's a good choice. I think you should give it a try. And if that doesn't work, then I tell them what my idea is. Right. <laughs> and then maybe you could try a little bit of this. And I do that every day because I don't think that anybody will grow if they're not given the opportunity. How do you establish that trust with your team to where they feel comfortable in, in uh, to make themselves vulnerable to come to you and say, hey, I have this problem, I need help? I have a very small team here and we're very close. <laughs> so um, uh, there's one gentleman that works under me. I call us, we're, we're, we're good friends and we work very well together. And I think that just, I don't know, I, this sounds corny, but I am very a big uh, believer and getting to know the people that you work with because they have a life, right? Um, they have a life, they have a family. If if they left this company tomorrow, they may, you know, they, they still have a life, right? And I think uh, that getting to know them really helps. It helps them if I ask them about, you know, if they had a sick a spouse or something wrong with their kids or somebody got COVID or their dog is dead. I, you know, I want to, I want to know, I don't want to find out from someone else that something like this happened. And I just seem like a cold, heartless person. So I think it, I think it really does establish a trust. I, I think that sounds crazy, but it's no different when you're talking with customers. When you start to get a connection with customers, you're talking about the weather, you're talking about their vacation or whatever, and there's some kind of connection there. You can, you make, I, I've always been good about making a connection. It could be about anything. Like literally, I've I've done it all. So if somebody brought up a, a topic about something, I'm chances are I've probably dabbled in it or know somebody who has, so I can at least keep the conversation going. So right, right. definitely want to make sure. I, I I just feel like there needs to be a connection there. And then when they do really need something, they will they will talk to me about it. Um, and and then I'll secondly, I'll just say that. I work for bosses that believe that you should be literally connected in all day long, right? You should literally, you shouldn't talk to your family. You should be doing this during your dinner. You know, no, no, don't talk to your kids. And I don't believe in that. I tell everybody, listen, I want you to, I mean, yeah, you check things once in a while, or if there's an urgent thing, take care of it. But I want you to have your life. If you have your life, you're always coming back to work refreshed every day and you feel a little bit better and you're, they're more, they're more useful they're definitely more uh, successful in what they need to get accomplished. What do you look for when you're building a sales team? You know, are there certain attributes that you're looking for? Uh, I 
I I really want to make sure that they're self-starters, right? Uh, there is nothing worse in the world than when you have a new person working for you or a person working for you and you realize that they didn't even start their day till like 10 o'clock in the morning. That drives me insane. Um, I don't now I just said I don't micromanage, but I'm just saying like that makes me crazy, right? I I, you know, you you still have things to get done. So um, I just really like go-getters and self-starters and people who can manage um, prioritizing things, right? I, I really want to make sure that I don't have to tell anybody anything twice. So when I when I am trying to find those people, you know, there's a lot of questions that I ask to try to extract this from them to see, you know, how they live their life and how they would work. How would it, what did a normal day, day look like for you? You know, if you're trying to go get this sale, if you're trying to go get something, like, what are you going to do? Are you going to, are you going to wait till they call, call you? Are you going to keep calling them? Do you have a plan? Like, you know, th there has to be something uh, coming out of them that makes me believe that they are really a go-getter. And, uh, and I'll tell you, uh, when, when I'm negotiating salaries with people <laughs> that I want to like, I'd say rule number one in my mind, if they don't ever, if, they, if I give them an offer and they don't ask me for more, I almost don't want them working for me. I don't. And I, I wait for it and I, I hope that they do it. And if they don't, then I go, why did I even offer this person this? <laughs> you know, yeah. they ask for something. It could be anything. Just show me that you're a salesperson, <laughs> right? Right. Show me your salesperson. Now, I don't like the braggy salesperson. That one doesn't always work so great with me because sometimes you do the, you find out that there's the name droppers and I, the name droppers drive me insane. But I mean, you can usually, you can usually wiggle, wiggle your way through that, but. Yeah. yeah, it's, I think that's one of the toughest things, but also the most important thing as a leader, you're only good as your team. And if you don't have a good team, you're gonna struggle. You're nothing. So. Yeah, yeah, that's true. How do you leverage failure in your role as a leader? Well, um, I, we've had those, yes. Um, you definitely need to learn from them. Um, there have been many things that, you know, uh, you, you go back and you look at it again and you go, you know what, I should have done this. Or I, I really, I'd say in the past, I think I questioned myself and I didn't follow my instincts. I follow my instincts more now um, than I used to. And I think that's, that's helpful. It doesn't always work, but most of the time I feel like it's a better solution than maybe 10 years ago when I was a little younger. Um, but definitely trusting my instincts and you know, listen, it's crazy, but you know, listening to the customer's tone, you know, trying to see if, you know, I, I'm de I deal with competition all the time. We all do, right? right? And sometimes it's not always about price. Many times it's not always about price. And so, you know, I just, you, I, I really learn from, from those experiences, right? What, what did, how did I lose this deal? How did I lose this deal? What can I do so I don't do that again? Because these deals that we're talking about, like it takes me you know, we're talking a 12 to 18 month sales cycle over here. And when you work that long for something and you lose it, it's, it's very devastating. Um, it's very devastating. So, but I talk about it. I talk about it with my boss. 
I talk about it with my staff. Um, I talk about it with my husband. I talk up, I, I try to figure out like, you know, I really don't understand. Like, why did I lose this? And, you know, I think they think it through because nobody likes to lose. Do you but ever yeah, ask your I, customers? What's that? Do you ever ask your customers why you lost? Yeah, I mean, of course. Yeah, you know, tell me, tell me what I could, even, even at the end, if I find out that I lose, I say, you know, just tell me, I just want to know what was it that made you pick this other decision or this other choice or whatever. Um, I, sometimes I can string that along, you know, if I can figure out how to get through that many times, actually, even yeah, regularly, I'm constantly trying to uh, get into their head and understand, you know, why, why maybe you didn't stick with us. And so, um, and, and, you know, it's, I always tell everybody, I think it's harder, it's harder to, um, it's harder to keep a customer than it is to get a customer sometimes. So, you know, I don't want to lose them either. So I always try really hard to make sure I don't forget about my existing customers. You know, sometimes people make a sale and then you don't even go back and talk to those people. That's, that's not smart. <laughs> that's a great point. I, I, uh, what is your, um, I don't know what the word is there, the word I'm searching for, but when it comes to that, that managing that customer relationship as part of your ongoing sales cycle, what is your philosophy around that, you know, as a sales leader? Because a lot of times I've seen a lot of companies I've talked with and sales leaders I've talked with, once that deal's done, they're moving on to the next one. No, not me. I, I am constantly trying to, I mean, many of those customers have more opportunity for me, right? They don't always have, it's, it's it, it, in my business, or in my opinion, maybe it's more about my reputation than anything. I never want anyone to look at me and think that I neglected them or just got their PO and ran away, you know, that kind of stuff. I, I, I don't, I am, I am very uh, concerned about my reputation. So I am constantly making sure that I am checking on, in with people. And if, if I've disappointed them or we, our company or what, whatever has happened has even the tiny little things, right? It could have been something else. It could have been something in technical support. It could have been, they got, they had a, a broken unit and they didn't know how to come to me to get something repaired or things that are not even necessarily my job. I will make sure that they get an answer for. So it is extremely important to, to, do, to do that. And I'll tell you the bigger thing what happens a lot, I'm sure in everybody's business, but especially in mine, is that people move around and they move from company to company to company and they're getting promoted or whatever is happening. And if I did that to them here and then I had an opportunity with them over there, I really just kind of messed up all my all my chances. So I am I everybody needs to get a, a, attention. <laughs> you know, they all need to get attention. They need to be paid attention to and they need to be talked to regularly, too, because you don't have any idea if they don't, maybe they acquired another company, maybe they have more opportunity, those kinds of things. And, and it is, it is a bigger part of my business than sometimes going out and getting new, new customers. I, I want to do all of those things, but I need to make sure I take care of my customers. Let's talk about that tool that you use to do what you just said, CRM. Do you love it or do you hate it? I love it. I should use it more than I do. Everybody should. Um, but thankfully, our company uses it and 
constantly is saying, update these dates. Why is this stale? You know, all that kind of stuff. But we use it for forecasting and everything. And, and if we didn't have it, I, I'm getting older and I can't remember everything. So the CRM notes and all of uh, my dates and my the detail of the uh, the hardware or whatever that, I, that that's connected to it for the forecast. If I don't put it in there, there are sometimes a piece of paper is not going to be found when I'm going to look for it. So CRM is a great tool. Yeah. What's your struggle? You said you don't use it as much as you should. What's that struggle or, or blocker from keeping it, you know, from being a day, uh, uh, part of your routine each day? Yeah. I, I'd say that, you know, it's, it's, it go, I, I do a little bit of this sometimes, mm -hmm. and I think that I would be better off if I looked at it all the time, printed off my reports and looked at this stuff. Um, but like I said, it's at least, you know, a couple of times a week event, and um, I think it should be more. So that's, I'm, that's on me. <laughs> As a sales leader, how do you motivate your team to be engaged with? Because that is a common struggle we hear all the time is that we've got this great tool, but I really struggle getting my team to engage with it. What's your strategy yeah. there? Well, like I said, I, I find this different for different companies. Um, and I like some of these people that I talk to that I don't work with, like different salespeople. Um, but I find that if the if the company enforces the use of it, you're almost, you have to use it, right? I'm just like ours, right? We, we are forced to use it. Like I said, I, I could do a little bit better at it, obviously. But if your company does not enforce it or you don't use that tool for, I'm just gonna, I'll just say like forecasting for equipment and things like that, it, I can see how people wouldn't necessarily find themselves using it. I think as a salesperson, if you didn't have a CRM tool, you're you're never going to be successful because you cannot count on this little list of paper that you write down the notes and or even I even tried the the Franklin Covey thing for years. I did that for years right. and right. I did it. Then I moved the thing over and I stopped wanting to buy the pieces of paper. But honestly, the CRM tool is the best way for you to keep track of the dates and the time frame when you think something's going to happen, the stages of where it is and and it's definitely, I, I think every sales leader out there probably struggles with certain employees of theirs that they wished used it more so that they had better visibility into things. Now, on this, on another hand, as, as I was a, a lower salesperson, sometimes you didn't always want to put everything in there because then you get this ginormous quota from your company and then that would really stink too. So there's a whole bunch of you know politics in the middle of that that you have to be careful in the time of year and what you're forecasting and putting in there so that you don't get a ridiculous quota. So we all struggle with that too. Yeah, but see, that's not really a CRM thing. That's a management thing. That's a sales leadership thing. Yeah. And I think as sales leaders, I talk with these you know about this a lot with people that it's like like anything else in life. There's a balance. And if you're constantly whacking people with a stick, trying to get them to do stuff, they're not going to do it. You have to give them an incentive. So yeah. if you're going to disincentivize them by saying, hey, looking at your pipeline, looking great, we're going to bump your quota 30%. Yes. And I, right. That's just and we all have 
Right. We all have we all have upper management, and I agree with you. So I think I, again, I do think that everybody needs to put that stuff in there, and they need to really think about it. They need they need to continue to look into it and not forget about those opportunities. I think the biggest thing that I'm saying that I find when you're a busy salesperson and you put these things in CRM, as long as you put it in, you remember that that was a potential opportunity, and it's it's really about tracking those opportunities. Uh, but for the for you know for the the folks underneath that need to make sure that they're uh, keeping track of things, you're you're right. This whacking with a stick doesn't always work. But it, if if you if you make it sound like it's 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 a good thing to do is to keep track of your your things, um, and and we have reports to see those things. Right. It's a useful tool to remember to check in with people um, because. Like I said, you could put something in there that there's an opportunity that could be for, you know, six months from now. And if you didn't actually put it in CRM, you actually you would probably never. You you probably forget to reach out to those people and reconnect with them. So it's a good tool for that. One of my favorite questions to ask companies when I engage with uh, as a consultant is, you know, what's your number one struggle when it comes to CRM? Some people's data, some it's adoption, could be lack of integrations, whatever. What's your biggest struggle with CRM? Um, like I said, I use it. I, I, I don't think I have a struggle with it. it internally here. I think, I think they use it so, the whole company uses it so uh, intimately that um, my, my biggest struggle is keeping up on shifting dates when a customer is not ready to do something. So, um, <clears throat> you know, you guess, you know, you yeah. guess when you put this stuff in. So um, we are asked to update those things and all of our, you know, all, all of the sales folks and, and the people underneath need to update those things so that we keep in track of all of that. But I think that, <laughs> I think that keeping up on the dates and making sure that I'm keeping track of everything that's going on is, is my biggest problem, which is why I like CRM. Because it, yeah. I, again, it forces me to recall these opportunities that I've kind of let drop off or the, right. you know, the, the sales folks opportunities that have dropped off. You can remind people, hey, what's going on with this? Or, you know, you had this in here and this was, this is about a year stale. Is this going to happen? You have it marked in this quarter, you know, that kind of thing. Right, right. Yeah. Well, Amy, we're up on our time here on Sales Lead Dog. Really appreciate you coming on the show. If people want to reach out and connect with you, if they want to learn about Westell, what's the best way for them to do that? Yes. Well, thank you for asking. So there is, um, you know, westhall.com uh, or reaching out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, I can be reached at um, A Walther, A W A L T H E R, at Westell. W e s t e l l dot com, and I will I will be ready to help anybody at any time. Um, you know we're trying real hard to get get our word out about some new products and make sure that people know about us. Um, we did just get mentioned in the CIO review, so we did get a a, a plug for one of the top uh, ten vendors for IoT. So that's kind of exciting. That's very and cool. we're, trying, we're really we're really trying to. Uh, do a better job at advertising ourselves. Um, we, we find that we've gotten a little bit busy and it's one of my uh, pushes for us to try to get more publicity and drive people to us. So hopefully, 
hopefully they will. And you know, we it's, it's a monitoring company, and we monitor lots of edge devices, and that's that's what we do. We do it best. Um, I tell people that we've been doing IoT before IoT was a thing. And so uh, we've been doing it for years and somebody gave it an acronym and now everybody, everybody talking about it. So, cool. so hopefully, hopefully people will reach out to me if they need help. Yep. And all that information Amy shared will be in the show notes. So be sure to check us out on impellercrm.com forward slash sales lead dog and you'll find this episode and get Amy's show notes and please reach out to her and connect. So again, Amy, thank you for coming on Sales Lead Dog and welcome to the pack. Thank you. As we end this discussion on Sales Lead Dog, be sure to subscribe to catch all our episodes. On social media, follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Watch the videos on YouTube, and you can also find our episodes on our website at impellercrm.com forward slash sales lead dog sales lead dog is supported by impeller crm delivering objectively better crm for business guaranteed